Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hey everybody, and welcome back to The Sex Wrap. You're here today with Spring and Andrew, your favorite sex personalities on the internet, answering questions that you've submitted to us about sex and sexual health and STDs and and love and relationships. And, you know, we're pretty awesome experts at all these things. How do you feel, Spring? How do I feel about being an expert? I mean, I was just going to leave it open to anything at all at the end. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Like, how do you feel about this? This awesome, like all these questions we have coming in. I mean, this is my favorite thing to do. And it's also the thing that I feel like a lot of people in my life don't know that I do because at least once a week, someone says to me, you have a podcast? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, a really big podcast that we've been doing for a really long time. (laughs) So maybe I don't talk about it enough. (laughs) I mean, I think that we should talk about it even more. Um, But we have so many questions that we're now like sort of grouping your questions into categories and trying to put them into months. And we're into March. So um, good luck. Not good luck. Like congratulations, rest of the world moving into good weather. Um, I think the whole world moves into better weather in March, I think. Let me know if you don't. Um, it starts to get a little more sweaty here, but I know the rest of you start getting some like flowers, spring, all those beautiful things. But this month, we're going to be talking about media. So we have a whole bunch of questions that we've collected over the last six years that people have submitted, and we've answered some along the way. But today, we're going to be talking about what Hollywood gets wrong about sex and love. So this is Spring and I sort of like taking your questions and then morphing it into this kind of broader question. Um, We have a ton of questions that have come in about individual movies and television shows and who won an Oscar and who didn't win an Oscar. And today we're going to be distilling all of that down and what Hollywood gets wrong about sex and love. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what we think you can do or what we can do together to fix it. All right. So what does Hollywood get wrong about sex and love? The answer is yes. Everything. (laughs) And we're not talking about, you know, every single specific show. Yeah, some shows um, do things well and some movies have good um, parts to them for sure. But what we're talking about today is really this kind of overall effect that we see in TV shows and in movies and how things are kind of um, glossed over. And so we're going to talk about love first. We're going to talk about relationships and what what is the problem with what relationship models we're seeing on our screens? I mean, really, the issue is people are learning about how they think relationships should should happen, how they should build relationships, how you should form them, how you should sustain them by watching what happens in movies. Now, y'all have heard me talk about emotional pornography before. 
And it is a huge problem because people set their expectations for what their relationship should look like based on what they see in movies, what gifts should look like, what what proposals should look like, what weddings should look like. Um, and those movies that people are basing them on have millions and millions of dollars to sort of create this like very fairy tale looking romantic scene with the ring that cost, you know, well, probably cost like three dollars because we know it's a replica in the movies. But they make you think that you deserve a Harry Winston. And they make you think that, you know, love is having these kind of relationships that are full of constant romance everywhere coming up. Um, all right, stop. Andrew, stop. <laughs> so when Andrew's saying emotional pornography, he's calling all of this in the movies, like he's comparing it to how unrealistic porn is for trying to learn about sex, right? So it's like, this is the sensationalized version of what love and relationships look like, but it's not what they look like in real life. And even though a lot of us know that, at some level, it still gets into our psyche because we watch a lot of TV and movies. That's, you know, um, a main source of enjoyment and escape for a lot of people. And especially during pandemics when we have other choices taken away from us, right? That is like a place that people really turn to. And so even if you may think like, oh, that's not where I'm getting my information about what a relationship should look like, it's still seeping its way into your brain. So that's why we really have to talk about these things. We have to talk about what are the problems with what we're being shown so that we can be a little more critical of it. I mean, if we look at all of the different aspects of our relationships that we have, like all of the things that are intimate that we're supposed to share with other people, they've been commodified by Hollywood, right? Hollywood has changed everything into something you celebrate with a purchase or something that you buy, right? And that's what I mean about that kind of emotional pornography. You can't buy romance. You can't buy love. Like you can buy sex with a sex worker, right? And you can buy what looks like romance from television, but but all of that's false. None of it actually pans out in our everyday life. And, and that's the problem with that kind of emotional pornography. Um, and I love what Spring's saying, like a lot of people watch it. And even if you're aware that it's not real, right? Happy relationships don't start, form, get married and have a happily ever after in 90 minutes, right? Happy relationships take work, energy, and effort every single day. Like it's energy and effort. It's worth doing. And you might love doing that work, but it's it, it's a constant process and it's not neat and tidy, right? I can't even think of a relationship conversation I've had that's been shorter than 90 minutes. <laughs> Like most conversations you need to have, you know, with a partner where you need to like work through something could take up to like two to three hours. You know what I mean? So like to think that we could really even understand what goes into making a healthy relationship from watching a movie or even a series or even a whole, you know, uh, like several seasons of a show is is not true, right? I mean, it's impossible. There's so much more. Now, all right. I mean, we're going to get some flack. There are some, like Spring said, there are some amazing shows that do a great job of showing how messy relationships are. And, and in that messiness, we can find joy and we can find great partners and we can find intimacy. So in our Instagram, as we're posting about this episode next week, you can tell us those great examples, right? But this is just that overall, like most movies, most television shows are doing a really poor job of showing what what love really is, right? They do a really poor job. It's a lie. 
it's it's this like sparkling, beautiful, golden Hollywood lie that love is neat and tidy and it's organized. And that if you follow this person's plan and if you buy the right stuff, right, if you do the right stuff, you'll have love at the end. And that's not how love works in our actual lives. Right. So just got to like start out like they're selling you something. Right. They're selling you that narrative and they're telling you how to get there, which is usually by selling you some other stuff. Right. Like that's not what love is like in our lives. Um, and we have to start of like start moving away from it. But that's not the only thing that Hollywood gets wrong about love. What else, what else do we want to talk about? Well, one thing I think that we see a lot in Hollywoodized love is we see this like ladder of like progression of the stages of our relationship of like, okay, first we need to flirt, then we need to date. Then after we date for a certain amount of time, we get engaged. And then after we've been engaged for a while, we plan a wedding and then we get married. And then we think about having children. (laughs) And this model of like moving through these stages is not linear. It doesn't go like that for a lot of people. And a lot of people don't even want all those stages and relationships, right? So I think that's one thing that is kind of very normalized in these representations of how relationships should go. And we know that a lot of people um, are very comfortable staying in one of those stages forever. Like you could move in with a partner and never want to be engaged or married or have children. You could also, um, <laughs> go back and forth in these stages. You might go one way and then retreat the other way. So there's a lot of um, assumptions, I think, and like what people want out of their relationships that are played up in Hollywood. Absolutely. If you think about your healthy life relationships, even your friendships, they don't look like the ones that are on television. And if they do, like, Maybe they're not that great or maybe they're not real. I'm not judging you much. Um, No, but life is not a stepwise progression. It goes back to that, you know, life is all over the place and relationships. Every single relationship we have looks different. If you look at the media, every single relationship and how it grows is pretty much the same. So you got to break yourself out of some of those expectations. But it doesn't stop there, right? Um, If we look at Hollywood, most of the time when we see a family, what do we see? We see one man, we see one woman, and we probably see two kids one is a boy and one is a girl. We look at around, if we look around ourselves, like if we look around in our lives, most of the relationships and families around us don't look like that either. So it puts a lot of pressure on people to sort of like create this 1950s Coca-Cola Christmas kind of life, like this kind of family, <laughs> this kind of picture. Um, and it's really a disservice to what love looks like. If we look at the United States, we know that a huge number of people are in single family homes, but there are also millions and millions of people in homes where they have like two gay men or lesbians, or there's a lot of you know, homes that are non-dyad. And by non-dyad, I mean like there can be two or three or four people in loving relationships with a happy, successful home. Um, There's actually quite a bit of research that shows that poly people who have kids have more happiness in their relationship, but that's because each one has to spend less time with the kid. So that makes sense to me automatically. (laughs) Or they have more support. (laughs) Oh, 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 they have more support and, and spend less time individually with the child. All right, Andrew. All right. All right. All right. All right. But um, but the, once again, Hollywood gets it wrong because when we look at Hollywood, if we look at all of these stories, right, it's essentially making all of those other families, all of those other people invisible. Um, And it can be really harmful as well, right? If you're a young person and you're watching, you know, Oscar winners, if you're watching Hollywood, 
movies and in television, and no one looks like your family, right? Like you feel left out. So it can do some real damage there as well, because you might say there's something wrong with me, or you might feel really bad about something that's actually pretty good because it doesn't look a certain way. Um, so the way that it sells us love in terms of those relationships is really unhealthy as well. I think the thing that I get most angry about in um, TV shows and movies is this idea that jealousy is proof of love. And so when you see somebody getting jealous, that means they love you because they're angry that someone else is flirting with you or talking with you or hanging out with you or whatever the situation is. And that is not proof of love. (laughs) That is not like if you feel jealousy, then what is that? That's a sign that you need to talk about something. That's a sign that you need to communicate with your partner about your feelings, but it is definitely not proof of a loving relationship. And if there's a lot of jealousy in a relationship, it's actually probably proof of the opposite. And I get so upset at that because I think, you know, it really teaches us that we should expect jealousy, that we should accept jealousy, that we should normalize jealousy. And jealousy is a very toxic pattern in relationships. I mean, it's incredibly toxic. If you think about the times when your relationships have been failing and there's a lot of jealousy, jealousy is not a way to show how much you love somebody. It's like that manic over the top, like, control, right? When I see jealousy, it's often about controlling somebody else and their feelings because you have insecurities. Um, and, and, and like Spring said, often relationships with lots of jealousy have a lot of other pretty significant issues. And I completely agree. Like there is jealousy in everything from children's cartoons all the way up to Oscar winners, like the whole gambit of films uh, and movies and television really focus on like jealousy as an indicator of love or jealousy as an indicator of success. Um, and I think that's because movies do a really good job of tapping into that because, you know, we all have some insecurities. And in movies, if you have the world's most beautiful people and the world's most beautiful houses with unlimited budgets having jealousy, of course, you're going to have it in your everyday life as we uh, everyday life. It's going to make you feel like there's something wrong. Um, and it's selling you that really you know, pornographic view of what love and relationships are. And there's a lot of other stuff that I'd love to talk about. Uh, Love. Um, Like love is really gendered. Um, (laughs) Expressions of love in media are really gendered where like women do one thing for love and men do one thing for love. And all of those are really toxic ways for us to look at relationships. So really... Hollywood gets almost everything wrong about love. Spring, do you have a movie about love that you love that's good about love? I have one that I I love. (laughs) I'm sorry. You said the love word love too many times in that sentence and my brain broke. Uh, What's yours? (laughs) So um, there's this movie called Love Actually, uh, which is like a Christmas-ish movie from, (laughs) I don't know, 15 years ago. Um, And it's actually like eight different love stories that are all sort of going on at the same time. Now, most of them are emotional pornography, but there's one of them that ends in like cold, sad tragedy that continues out for the rest of the people's lives. Um, And it's like the most honest depiction of what love is like in a movie. It's the sad one. All the happy stories, I'm like, ugh gross. That's gendered. Gross. That's not real. (laughs) But I'm not going to give it away. But if you watch Love Actually, like, let me know uh, when you get to the story that I I love the most with Alan (laughs) Rickman and Emma Thompson. It's great. 
Anyway, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to shift gears. Um, we're going to stop talking about what Hollywood gets wrong about love and stop start talking about what they get wrong about sex. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be right back. Welcome back to the sex wrap. Hollywood gets it wrong. The episode for today. Now, if you're a big Hollywood person and you're listening and you want to give Spring and I a television show or some kind of other contract, you absolutely get love right because you love us. Thank you. Um, that's it. We're done. No, just kidding. All right. <laughs> we will comment on any scripts you send our way. We would love to do that. We would love to help get these things right um, on all sizes of screens. So yeah, please come to us with that. <laughs> all right. With that said, you do get sex wrong. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the reasons you get sex wrong. And we've been talking about levels of this over the last six years. But today, we're just going to really kind of consolidate it down um, into just a few aspects. And I think we should start with the first time people have sex on screen for cinema. Hollywood, you get it all wrong. Like every single part of it wrong. I don't even know where to start. Where should we start with what Hollywood gets wrong with the first time people have sex? I mean, I think that it's even, it's the most wrong. I, I, I can't even say this. I, it's like, it's so wrong in so many ways, but I th- feel like it's the most wrong for young women um, because it very very rarely shows um, the pain and discomfort that a lot of women might experience in their first interactions with penetration. Um, It also shows a lot of orgasms and a lot of enjoyment in these first sexual interactions, which is also not (laughs) very true. Uh, Those first sexual interactions are filled with anxiety. They're filled with fear. They're filled with like, what am I doing? A lot of questions and, you know, just trying to trying to get through it in some ways. (laughs) I mean, if we look at the research, we know that women's top emotions and feelings the first time they have sex are shame and guilt. And men's are anxiety and pleasure. So like of the, the four top emotions, men get one positive, but the other 75% are pretty negative. And, And once again, Hollywood does a really terrible job at describing any of this, right? Like, People are so happy having a great time. Everyone comes a lot. Like there's a lot of great sex. And uh, we just know that that's not what it starts as. And it's the same kind of like, this is a different kind of pornography, but it's setting people's expectations to be in a really strange place. Um, There's also quite a bit of uh, research that shows that, you know, showing people, especially young people in movies, having happy sex early on, almost encourages a lot of people to run out and have sex. Like, oh my gosh, my favorite people on Bridgerton are having sex. I need to have sex. And then they're filled with disappointing sex whenever reality hits. And um, just like in relationships and love, you have to practice and you have to make it work and you have to spend energy and you have to like get better. You know, a 90 minute movie doesn't talk about someone going through all of those sexual developmental processes like news, everyone. Nobody starts out as awesome at sex. Now, you might have a partner who tells you like, oh, that was so great and so special, so magical for the first time. They're probably lying to you because it's not those things. The first times we have sex, we have a lot of work that we have to do and we're not good at it and we don't know our bodies and 
Hollywood just gets all of that wrong. Yeah. And I think that that's a big part of it is that, you know, we all need a lot of comfort with our bodies, with exploration of our own bodies. And that's something that's definitely left out, right? Like the, the prep work that we need to do in getting to know ourselves and getting to know what we like and how we like to be stimulated. And that's, that's a lot of like self homework to be doing before you're really able to engage well with a partner. And that's definitely left out for sure. Well, and it also paints this picture that there's like eight technique that works like a dude is a sex god and he knows how to get every girl off or there's like this magical secret way that you can be the best and you can have the like the secret Midas touch of gold for orga it, it really sets the expectation that that exists instead of saying every person is individual and you really have to do that kind of exploration um Another thing that really bothers me about Hollywood and sex is that unless a movie or a show is about the consequences of sex, right? Like sometimes, you know, like there's an unintended pregnancy. And if that happens, it's the only time they ever talk about it is if it's the point of the whole thing. And it's almost always a happy ending, unlike real life, right? But there's a complete lack of consequences when we look in Hollywood for sex. People have all kinds of sex. They don't talk about birth control. They don't talk about condoms. They don't talk about or catch STDs. Like it's like this, once again, this fantasy sexual world where you can engage in sex with whomever you'd like, but there's no responsibility required and there's no consequences. Yeah. And and what Andrew said, I think is important to highlight that, yeah, there will be movies about an accidental pregnancy and that's what the whole movie is about. But rarely are these things just happening alongside in a movie, right? Where a movie where people are just having unprotected sex, nobody ever goes to get checked after and nobody talks about when's the last time you had a uh, um, were checked for sexually transmitted infections, right? There's no conversations about that. And there's no like, oh, freaking out and people like talking to their friends. Like all of these pieces are missed when we see sex in a movie. It's just this perfect version of sex without all of these other things that go along with it. And that's what we're talking about. That's what the problem is because we see that so regularly and so rarely do we see the other parts of it that that's what is getting ingrained in our minds. Like the more that we see that, the more we think that's normal. And that's what the problem is. Because all of those conversations that keep us safe, that keep us protected from sexually transmitted infections, that keep us safe from unintended pregnancies are lacking. Um, and I, I want to reiterate, most of the time when those other conversations are part of a movie, there's a happy ending. The people, like the couple gets married and raises the child, or like there's a cure for the disease, or like there, there's no negative outcome in almost any movie when any of those issues come up as well. If we actually look at people's lives, people deal with the consequences of unprotected sex throughout their entire life, right? Like one night, and I don't want to call it a mistake, but one night without appropriate preparation and protection can lead to, you know, many, many, many years of issues down the road, whether those issues are um, a sexually transmitted infection that you can't get rid of, right? Most of the viruses stick with you for life, um, or 
uh, an unintended pregnancy, which could you know lead to an abortion. We have an episode you, we, where we talk to some people about their feelings about abortion and what happens there, but can lead to you having you know a kid that you don't want or weird relationships. Like if you have a kid, even if you want it, you're still tied to that person the rest of your life legally, um, like the person you had sex with in the United States. Just none of that is ever discussed in details in ways that make sense or help somebody understand that, you know, sex does have some significant consequences and you need to be responsible when you're having sex. Now, Spring and I are not saying don't have sex, right? Like that's not the point of any of these shows. We're not going to judge you for that, but we're saying if you have sex, you need to have enough responsibility to prevent those consequences. And if one of those consequences comes up, because even the most prepared person who uses the best protective techniques can end up in a situation where there's an unintended pregnancy or an STD or STI, like you have to have the wherewithal, you have to have the sexual communication skills, you have to have the practice to talk about what happens on that other side. And and, and all of that is missing. And yeah, I think that one of the problems is that we see people, you know, like going to have sex and then, you know, some movies or TV shows will show a little of it and then it's like fades out. And we often don't get any of these conversations. And I would love to see, you know, more of these conversations modeled for us. How are we talking about preparing to have sex together? How are we talking about the last times we got tested? How are we checking in with each other and asking for consent along the way? How are we asking people how they are after and checking in and following up with each other? You know what I mean? There are so many conversations that we need to practice and so many conversations that we need to learn how to have with each other. And that's what we need to see. We need to see that so that it's normal, so that we can get better at it, so that we can all have the skills we need. Get something else really wrong on top of all of that, right? If we look at sex in Hollywood, there's only one body, right? Like there's Mm. men with abs and muscles. Mm. There's women who are thin (laughs) with like juicy butts and and large breasts. Like we only see those bodies. Um, Those bodies, those people are millionaires, right? And they get paid tons of money to look that way. They have personal chefs and personal trainers to help them look that way. They have Photoshop to help them look that way, but it sets those expectations up. Even worse, right? Most of the time, if they show parts of a sex scene, it's very male centric where either like oral sex is being performed on a male, like you don't see the penis or anything like that, but you can kind of infer what's going on. Or if sex is happening, there's only one sex position, boring AF, missionary, sure, lots of people like it. For some people, it's your favorite, but there's so much more that you can play with. There's so many more different positions that you can be with. There's so many bodies that you can be with and enjoy, including your own. And I think Hollywood in sex really helps people learn to hate themselves because they don't look like that. They don't sound like that. Their sex doesn't, you know, have orgasms like that. And their sex has consequences unlike that. I think that's really, for me, like at the end of the day, like from beginning to end, the entire process of sex in Hollywood is really poor, once again, in most media. I'm sure some of it does it really well and does all the things Spring and I are talking about. Let us know what those are inside of the comments and uh, Instagram this week. But we definitely have talked about sex education, the TV show on the show before, and we do love that show. And they do a great job of a lot of these things. 
And also that's the whole purpose of that show in a way, right? Like it, that's all that it's about. And so I'm very grateful for a show like that. And we're talking about the necessity to include this in just regular stories, right? To normalize these conversations, to normalize what this looks like across genres, across the types of things that we're watching so that that becomes more regular. All right. So we need to take a short break. When we get back, we'll keep talking about love and sex in Hollywood. And we're going to have a couple comments on things that we can do to make it better or perhaps to fix it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Sex Rep, everybody. Today, we're talking about how Hollywood gets sex and love wrong. All right, Spring. So we've talked about emotional pornography and love. We've talked about all of the ways that the sex that they sell is this really kind of, well, I think it's kind of sterile and boring, but it's also these really fake bodies that make us feel bad, both about our relationships, feel bad about our romance, feel bad about our intimacy, feel bad about our bodies, feel bad about our orgasms. That's what Hollywood gets wrong. Um, what do we do? <laughs> um, I mean, I think that we can look at these as, first of all, you know, entertainment um, and like, but really consciously look at them as entertainment so that, you know, after we watch something, you can use that as an opportunity to have a conversation with whoever you watched it with. Or if you didn't watch it with someone, text someone about it and find someone who's watched it to like have a conversation about it and say like, you know, um, I really liked the movie, but you know, what was up with the way that guy freaked out when his girlfriend got a text from her friend, you know, like that was, that was really effed up. Why, why was he so overreactive? And like, just, you know, start to have those conversations where you start to be critical of these things that are not safe, that are not healthy and that need to be explored a little bit more. Story time. Um, I hate movies, pretty much all of them. Uh, and my partner and my best friend keep saying they need to have a podcast because they both love movies and occasionally they drag me to them or they put them on. And I just sit there kind of stewing the whole time because in my head, uh, I have these conversations constantly. I'm like, that's not how love works. That's not where relationships, they couldn't be friends. That's not what an apology is. Ugh, these people are horrible human beings. Um, <laughs> and then each of their episodes would, would end with, and Andrew hates it. Uh, and while I don't hope you all get to where I am in terms of movies uh, and Hollywood, um, it, it, it's really important to do a critical analysis of what's going on and being really thoughtful about how it impacts other people as well. Um, you know, I really care about all of our listeners. I want you to have happy, healthy sex lives and I want you to have happy, healthy relationships. And when I look at the media, it's one of the things when, when I look at Hollywood, it's getting in the way, right? It's interfering with you having good sex. It's interfering with you having good relationships. Like F you Hollywood do better. I want more from my movies. Andrew hates it. Um, but the other things that we can do, right? Like Spring is right. We need to have those conversations surrounding it. We have an episode about 13 Reasons. I think that was from season one of our show from like five <laughs> years ago, maybe six years ago. Um, you need to have those conversations about it. And in the back of your head, you need to put a little pause, right? Like if you look, if you're watching like a, a romantic movie or a love movie or a movie where the characters are sexually involved, just put a little pause in your head, like just a two second break where you say like, 
hold on, this isn't real, right? This is fantasy, like a fantasy book like Dungeons and Dragons is for Dungeons and Dragons nerds or anime is for anime weebs, like whatever it is, it's a fantasy that's being sold because they know that they can get you to shell out a couple bucks for feels for a few minutes. But you need to analyze those feels and realize that they're being created by people who are selling something that they know is going to give them to you. And if you look, look at the, look at them from that context, right? And then when you look at your relationships in your actual life and you're able to separate them, you'll do much better. But um, really, I just want you to end up like me where you see any movie that has like relationships or sex or gender stuff in it. And you're like, ugh, this is terrible. Gross. <laughs> but, but being able to talk about why it's terrible and being able to have those conversations, because then it's not only practice for you, it's not only practice for you to like start to identify these things and be more critical of the media that you're consuming, but it's also a chance to help other people identify these things, right? So as you're doing this, you're practicing saying, okay, what is healthy? What is not healthy in relationships? You know, what makes sense? What do I want to incorporate into my life? What do I want to make sure is not involved in my life? And then like, as you talk about it with other people, you are giving them information, you're helping them do those things. And you're also like solidifying for yourself what's important to you. And so it's really a valuable process of being able to, um, have these conversations after you watch something and like, and talk about what you've seen and why, why something might've felt icky to you, right? Like, like what is it that is making Andrew's stomach flip every second? (laughs) And like having, having that chance to say like, okay, this, this is what it is. This is what makes me feel gross here. So whenever you're watching media, it's really saying, how is this impacting me? How is it impacting my perceptions of sex? How is it impacting my relationships and my perceptions of love around me? And if you're watching things that are nurturing you and making that stronger, that's great. Um, You need to tell us what those things are uh, because most of Hollywood is doing the opposite, right? The point of Hollywood is to sell you a fantasy. But if you don't believe that fantasy to be false, if you believe that you can have that fantasy, it's going to make your sex and your love worse in your life. So it's that critique and that conversation that you have surrounding it. Now, I do love talking about movies with people. I do really, really enjoy doing that kind of critical appraisal of it. Like, why does Wonder Woman wear metal underwear instead of other clothing? And I I mean, just like, like, I know why, right? Because they're selling sex and they're trying to sell a body type. But Anyway, right. You, you throw any movie at me, like maybe we'll do a Reddit Ask Me Anything for like Andrew Hates Movies and you can be like, hey, what's wrong with this one? And then I'll <laughs> No, I won't because you'll make me watch terrible things. Ah. All right. <laughs> I think we're at the, we could, we, we could keep talking about this for hours and hours, but I think we're at the end of our conversation about it today. Do you have anything else that you want to put in, put in here at the end, Spring? Just the tip. Um, just the tip. I mean, yeah, it's it's always communication. That's always our answer. So here we are again. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk with your friends about it. You can look at online forums like Reddit for responses to these movies as well. But keep that conversation going. And then on top of talking about it, do self-reflection. Look at your life and the relationships and the sex that you're having in your life if you're sexually active. And make sure that that point of comparison you're making for success or happiness is not Hollywood. Just like Do not use things that you see in Hollywood or television to measure your happiness, your joy, your success, because they're fake, 
right? They're not real. Base it on actual real things that matter in your actual life, not that fairy tale that Hollywood is selling you. Um, And most of the time they're selling you something to make you feel bad. So you'll spend money to make yourself feel better for spending money, but you don't really feel better at the end, right? So don't use Hollywood as your point of comparison is my tip. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, If you have any questions about this episode or any other questions about sex, about romantic relationships, about sexually transmitted diseases, about sexual health in your body, really, Spring and I will talk about anything with you. We'd love to hear from you. You can call us, 413-I-RAP-IT. You can send us an email. We're at thesexwrap at gmail.com. That's rap with a W. And you should find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Sex Rap. Thanks for listening. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.